Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Mason Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Podcast that has more drafts than a Wisconsin tap house. I am Jared Stormer of Mazenbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of Mazenbrew.com. Andy, you fever dream involving well, a Andy, jacked yeah, Andy Warhol. How are you, brother? Time for Michigan sports. I'm getting excited for the hockey draft because a lot of Michigan players will be taken. So I'm glad we can at least talk a little football here. The hockey draft. That's when you know things are uh, are at a low point. It is Not NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs right now. Like, like there's things happening. And things. Like, I need a little Michigan in my life. So some good news. But, you know, it's like, why not get nostalgic with football? I agree. Yeah, that's why we're doing what we're doing. I mean, the, uh, the only Michigan news we really had was apparently Juwan Howard is going to be the new coach that every time there's an opening – he is uh, predicted to go there as a Boston Celtics job opening just came up and it was all over Twitter and the news today that maybe considering Jawan Howard, which to Michigan fans, obviously this is deja vu. And as we learned with Jim Harbaugh and probably no, doubly so for Jawan Howard, for him, he's first not going anywhere. As a great team coming in, some unfinished business. And I get it. The Celtics job is a premier job in the NBA, but there's, there's plenty of time for this. You got to handle your business here first. Personally, I'm not a Boston guy, the team, nor the city, so that wouldn't really rank high for me. And, like, he has no connections to the Boston. He didn't play there. 
it's like, like he coached against them. It's like I guess, the Cowboys thing. Played it's like when a team like this point, opens up that has the most NBA fit. titles in NBA history. It's like has all this legacy up there. Not afraid to spend money and do crazy things. Like I understand the appeal. It's like the Lakers, Celtics jobs, Knicks jobs. Those are like the premier NBA coaching spots. That's true. That wouldn't be my choice. But if Miami opened up after spending some time down there, that might be a different story. But I would say that we are safe for now and probably safe yeah, for a while. Unless he wins a national championship the, the next three seem years. Things seem Howard Michigan. Yeah, so, I mean, at that point, then we can panic. <laughs> Which he will. will <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's coming. It's definitely coming. Um, other news, this one actually got me really excited. We were talking briefly about NBA, and I love any chance to talk about my Pistons. Uh, John Beeline took a job with the Detroit Pistons. I believe it's going to be some type of player development role. That just occurred today. But this got me excited. I mean, obviously, Beeline is a Michigan favorite. He's one of my personal favorites. I'm a, a Detroit Pistons fan. Maybe not everyone who listens to this is. Maybe there's a lot of people that don't even care about NBA basketball. But there are definitely a sect of Michigan fans that are also Pistons fans. So you're going to get some crossover here. And, you know, for a young team that's really building the right way with Troy yeah, Weaver, this is a whole having a guy like Beeline there for player for development is going to be didn't work awesome. out from his head coach with the Cavs. That organization and team are a complete mess. I think he'll do better in this kind of position. I'm also a Detroit Pistons fan. And uh, so this is this is just great news. I mean, the team's building, like you said, the right way and oh not the biggest market, but it's the Pistons are due about every 20 years to have a really stellar team. So clock's ticking. The clock is ticking and we're coming. Our time will come due. The, uh, the last title, 2003. So it's about time to start uh, returning to the days of yore for the once proud Detroit Pistons. So good for Beeline. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm just glad he didn't take the Indiana job, to be honest. Well, and in Michigan. I'm just glad he didn't take the Indiana job when that job opened up. What's that? Oh. Yeah, I mean, that is a team that I have no interest in watching, so I don't care. Like, John Beeline could go there, and Mike Hart, and <laughs> no, Charles Woodson Indiana could be on the sideline with him. I'm not watching the Pacers. Kind of like oh, uh, yeah. Juwan Howard. Yeah, that's true. Was Jim that Harbaugh, was he a name that was discussed for that? Like, oh, Beeline's taken. It's like, oh, is he? Is he? So gotcha. I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never. Yeah, same here. Also not watching that team. <laughs> Not interested. Um, the last bit of news, uh, Cornell Wheeler, linebacker for Michigan, has transferred out. Not a guy that we were anticipating getting a lot of playing time, but former four-star. You know, we've recruited the position well. A bigger guy. He was supposed to be faster. Um, haven't really seen too much of him on the field, but he's transferring. Yeah, Don't know where yet, All the so down another man You kind of expect core. this with scheme change, and things are going to happen in positions, and, like, you know, kind of the hierarchy is going to work itself out. So probably wasn't going to see the field. I can't imagine he'd transfer out if he was. So, you know, not fun. Not what you want, but it happens. This means all this says to me is Junior Colson right now is hold just on to all your Junior rocketing stuff, up the depth people. chart as we are recording, as we speak. Oh, it is. I have, I have diamond fists on my Junior Colson stock. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here for it, baby. So, yeah, Corner Wheeler, good luck to you. Uh, you know, just another one of the many good recruits that Harbaugh has had that just kind of faded into dust without ever seeing much of them. That's the way it goes, though. But 
let's move on, shall we? Last week, we did our first and probably our only Harbaugh-era draft, drafted up the teams, Andy and I. It was, uh, it was a fun exercise. I really enjoyed that and came out with two very you know well-balanced teams, I think. Um, but what we want to do tonight is kind of go through those drafts and pick up on what we learned from that and focus on the offense tonight and really go through some of the hits that he's had. And on the offense, I mean, that defense that we were able to build, both of those were studly. But you look at the offense, and we were kind of scrambling to get players here go back for two starting Like 11. you said, it was a draft, but it's more an exercise to kind of just view everything in one clear perspective. And, yeah, the offense at certain positions was like – Who's the third best running back? Who's this guy? But on defense, we could wait on defensive ends all day. We could easily have drafted eight, as we discussed. And, okay, there's not much of a drop-off. But, like, tight end, the drop-off is night and day. Yeah, so crazy that, you know, Harbaugh, who formerly was at tight end U at Stanford, comes here, has Jake Butt, who he inherited, and then really hasn't been able to produce anything at that position. And this is a dude that, when he came here, wanted to run two tight end sets. You know, he wanted to have two elite tight ends at any given time. And, you know, Gentry, you pulled up the numbers. He had that 500-yard receiving season, which is, you know, nothing to scoff at. Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, you can even throw out Nick Eubanks after that, Sean McCune, but the drop-off to that next tier is dark. It's like, Eric All could be the guy, but last year he couldn't catch a cold, let alone the football. It's like... Uh, Ian Bunting is somewhere in a ditch. Luke Shoemaker's still on the team somehow. He's been there for 10 years. I, I, I'm still not sure. I've never seen him in person. Who is that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Eric all couldn't catch syphilis in a, in a Thai whorehouse at this point, but it's the, the, the fact of the matter is like, we're, we're basing a lot of this on good recruiting and a, there has been some solid recruiting, no five stars at the tight end position, which is a bit of a surprise. It's been a lot of four stars that just kind of haven't materialized and Eric all being the latest one. So, I mean, to have a down season like that last year is a little bit, you know, understandable given the circumstances, but if we see another year where tight ends can't do anything and I mean, you have to be able to catch the ball a little bit, you don't necessarily need to be a dynamic receiving threat. But uh, you got to be competent in the block game and competent in the in the catching game to play tight end here. So to not even have that is, I mean, that's that's one of the big stains and one well, of the. I big would imagine I Devin Asiasi is, is the like highest rated zero tight, tight end we've probably had. Probably so, yeah. And he didn't get drafted because you know we were doing it at the height of their Michigan powers. Yeah, back to his hometown. And I mean, he didn't do a ton at UCLA. I believe he transferred to. Yeah, he went back to his hometown, and that was kind of a deal where he wanted to be closer to family. But yeah, Devin Asiasi was the highest highest rated, but still just didn't really do yeah. much for us. Had the one touchdown catch, and we were all ready to get too, on because board. Because that was his but, freshman year, he's yeah, already another one that didn't materialize. And, and you know, granted, I understand you want to go back home, but playing like splitting some playing time with Jake Butt as a true freshman, like you figure if he'd stayed there, he would have been featured prominently the next two to three years. Yeah, and I mean, he got out of there before quarterback play really dipped down out of there. But nonetheless, he would have helped a lot. And what I mean, he seemed like he was a really strong blocker at the point of attack and still ended up getting drafted by the Patriots who took a swing on him and doesn't really seem to be doing much in the pros. But yeah, I mean, that was when recruiting was hot and the position looked like one that was going to be really strong for time to come. And then he converts Gentry to, to tight end in, I don't remember when that conversion happened. 
Gentry was on the roster yeah, he, when Harbaugh yeah, he was got there. In the 15 class no, he was the first really quarterback he recruited. Yeah, he was the. Yep, he was the first quarterback he recruited, and then switched shortly after that. And and key to Gentry, I mean, credit to him, he ended up being quite the weapon. But yeah, that's just a big drop off. And I don't, I mean, I think if we had to predict Eric All's stats this year, I don't think they'll surpass that 500 yard season for Zach Gentry. And I definitely don't think it'll surpass the Um, uh, the fifteen in in sixteen. Jake Butt had five forty, so he just really kept the production going. But but in Yeah, in in twenty fifteen, Jake Butt had six fifty four, three touchdowns. It was it was weird too because also in this era with tight ends experimented with Khalid Hill, Tyrone Wheatley Jr. were also some experimentations at tight end. So I don't know. It's really I I hope Eric all materializes because we haven't had a true stud tight end since Jake Butt. Yeah, really pulling for him this year. I mean, we could use it, and that's a position I always enjoy watching as well. Um, my my next takeaway here, looking at our, our depth charts here, I took Jake Rudock pretty early on in our draft, and then Shea Patterson didn't go till till much later in that. But there was still some debate about who the next best quarterback was after Rudock, and also the fact that your best quarterback was in your first year in 2015, and he was a transfer from the division. So that was the next thing that really stood out to me is, man, this deep into the Harbaugh era, one really yeah, good tight end it, that you inherited is, you and know, one really good quarterback that transferred. Saying quarterback play has been lackluster at Michigan. But, yeah, like even when Michigan started predominantly passing the ball right. more in 18, Shea Patterson only had 2,600 yards as opposed to Dad Rudock's three grand. Like – the touchdowns, he had, he had a couple more touchdowns than him, but Michigan was airing the ball out. If you compare the offenses from 18 to 15, it's night and day. In 19, granted, Shea Patterson, I believe, let me see, passed for, oh, please tell me. Yeah, he did. He passed for more yards in the 19 season than Dad Rudolph, but again, the offense was completely different. We're slinging the pill around and everything else, and in 15 with Jed Fish, it was run first. Also, you have to take into account, we opened that 2015 season with Utah. And I mean, that team looked lost and Rudock had a rough, rough game. And then he really had to slowly build, but it was towards the end of the season, he was absolutely cooking. And that's how he was able to get to 300 yards. I mean, you've got the 500 yard day in there against Indiana. So I think that's why a lot of fans, or at least you and I, and a lot of fans that we talked to kind of put Rudock ahead of Patterson. He went in our draft first. And like you said, not breaking any ground here, but, you know, just looking at it and looking at the choices that we had for quarterback. Even in the 16 season, it was just very underwhelming. The Harbaugh era, Wilton Spate led the way, completing just over 61% of his passes for 2,500 yards, 18 18 touchdowns to seven picks. Like, the quarterback play has been so lackluster, and that's Wilton Spate was the third, third best quarterback of this era. Yeah, he probably would have gone next. You could have made an argument for Cade McNamara in like two games worth of work, but I mean, you probably that'd be a bit of a, a straw man argument. I don't know how far you'd get. So, yeah, definitely not breaking new ground, but frustrating very very frustrating that there hasn't been an elite quarterback and you've had that many you know throws of the darts as it were um before we move on want to take a second to talk about our newest sponsor home field apparel out of indianapolis incredibly comfortable incredibly affordable sportswear brand 
with the best selection of college apparel that I've seen in the game right now. The Michigan selection is spot on. You can go with the old school style or you can go with something a little bit more new age, whatever you prefer. I go with the old school stuff. That's okay. Homefield's licensed apparel company got you covered. You get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Okay, what was the next big thing that stood out to you from this draft? Or do you kind of want to talk about like your team and and you yeah, know, let's what, go ahead and talk about trying that to build with your offense. For me, the team building process of my draft has been scarred ever since our first one when my offensive line was starting like a third string punter at center, and I had to just go back to like the Michigan roster. Man. Who who is this guy? I need a center. So mine was op- yeah. <laughs> throwing him out there with Harlow AJ Williams running back. you're playing left so tackle baby that's where mine started from was the surprising amount of talent across the line and how it really picked up from 2017 on yeah you really nailed it with your offensive line too so your starting offensive line if I'm not mistaken John Runyon Mason Cole Ryan Glasgow Jalen Mayfield Ben Bredesen Mike Onwenu that's you got the I mean you got all the best ones except I got Cesar Ruiz in Glasgow but I mean you you really took it to me with your offensive line and that like that is a huge strength of the Harbaugh teams when you put it all out on paper like that to draft a starting yeah, five that good like that's it was, starting yeah, five Glasgow the exception because I got the offensive defensive line. tackle Glasgow but yeah every other piece around it, it's like you're right it could be right into the NFL yeah. And the, you didn't like the drop off wasn't huge to what you brought in because you brought in Graham Glasgow, Cesar Ruiz. Uh, who else did you get? Uh, Ryan Hayes, Stuber. Uh, we got Stuber and Ryan Hayes from the current team that we're both high on yeah, and look like Grant they're going to be guys. But, I mean, your guys are proven the best team in Michigan. Yep, absolutely, and looked like he was going to be the next big thing before he went out. So, yeah, that was a big takeaway, man, and you you definitely crushed me on your offensive line draft. But, I mean, Ed Werner, I can't believe we let him go because a lot of those names that we just mentioned outside of Mason Cole and Graham Glasgow, they, they're probably guys that are sending Rolexes to Ed Werner every year for what they did for his career. John Runyon, man, that this dude is gonna owes. Be, this every year he better be giving Ed Werner a steak up, Not even drafting up but just discussing the all Harbaugh era team because there's a lot of names out there for this line. And if you go back to 2016 with names like Kyle Kalis Kyle and Eric Magnuson, it's kind of crazy the 180, the way it's changed. Rough. I really do think that offensive line is a position where the position group coach makes a huge, huge difference because it's like something I've seen in the NFL as well. We're like they're all really good, really big dudes that can move pretty well. You know, we've recruited the position pretty well, but that is such a game of like, it's a very mental position. It's a very much of a position where you need to work in tandem as a group. And it's a, a position of subtleties. So like bringing in a position coach that knows what he's doing really made all the difference here. Um, the Denver Broncos did it when they brought in, um, their current off- offensive line coach. So I've like seen it at different levels too, or even pros, you know, they just get like a little bit different guy, different voice in the room, and it makes a world of difference. So, yeah, I mean, our offensive line, I'll be yeah. very interested to see what it looks like under the tutelage of yeah, Sharon Moore and Moore line's a very unique this year, position but group in the up NFL to this point, it's the next point, one. Like, you have to work in tandem with somebody else. There's a lot of different assignments moving on. You have to be an individual, but you also have to be cohesive together. 
And anytime you talk about offensive line coaches, you always think about the GOAT, which is Dante Scarnecchia. Like just the, that piece that really brings everything together with the Patriots, revered as the greatest one ever. It's like a great movie. You bring in Roger Deakins to be your cinematographer, makes your movie 20% better. Same exact thing with Scarnecchia. Makes that team so much better. Yes. Perfect. That is the perfect, perfect example. Yeah. Like you already got, you've got a good director. You've got good actors. Like you've got the set location. Everything's in place, but it's not quite like that, that finished product yet until you bring in Deacons. Love it. Great example. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to finish up talking about our draft, go uh, toe to toe, looking at our position groups and uh, quarterback, running back and wide receiver, all that and more when we get back right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. In the second half of this podcast, we are discussing our Harbaugh-era draft on the offense, talking about how we drafted it up, what we were looking at when we were doing so, and then we are going to put together the all-Harbaugh offense using both of these rosters. So let's get into it, brother. We already talked about the offensive line, which is going to be a a, a joyous discussion when we build the all-Harbaugh team. Uh, But let's talk about the wide receivers. Uh, your wide receivers that you chose, and you went pretty early with uh, with Jay Hugh Chesson. He was your first pick in the uh, the second half of that draft. Uh, what about Jay Hugh Chesson? Or excuse me, you did DPJ and then Jay Hugh Chesson back to back. I've got Nico Collins. I've got Cornelius Johnson. I have uh, who else did I have? Cornelius Johnson and Ronnie Bell. So yeah. Um, I really like what you got with DPJ there. The thing that I noticed most looking at this list of wide receivers is untapped potential was probably what stood out most yeah, to me. Yeah, it was especially Donovan Peoples-Jones, man. The way he fell in the NFL draft and kind of soared with the Browns this past season really hurt. But it felt like at first they were overachieving with the Chesson and Darbo teams in 15 and 16. It's like these guys aren't going to be studs at the next level, but they are really overproducing here in this offense. And then you start recruiting the position really well with Nico, Tariq Black, DPJ. And then the production really slips. The 2017 season is grim for receivers. What was the streak of like 14 straight games without a receiver catching a touchdown or something? 
Yeah, that was absolutely brutal before uh, DPJ did it. The uh, leading receiver that year had 307 yards, Just... and it was Grant Perry. <laughs> yeah, I when we were pulling up stats for this, and we're going to go over the all-hardball team, I didn't even bring up 2017. It's kind of like 2020. I just don't really want to remember much about it. Except on defense. I told you some of those defensive numbers That's, that year was wild. That is definitely – tonight's yeah. offense, abs- I'm good. Tonight is offense. Tonight is offense. Um, at running back position, um, I took Hassan Haskins, and I took him earlier because I, I thought that he was a little bit better than Karan Higdon. But it'll be interesting when we talk all Harbaugh team. I don't necessarily know that he's the all Harbaugh guy, but Haskins might be a, a shade more talented than Higdon. Um, and then you also had Chris Evans, and I had Blake Corum, maybe the youngest guy to make the uh, the all Harbaugh draft. Yeah, I Blake just sent you Blake Corum's offseason highlights of him training recently, and just him jumping over bags mostly and doing spin moves, and I'm still like hella excited. <laughs> I don't even think I saw it's that. on Twitter. Yeah, you have to that check to that me? later. I'll get on it. All right, well, we're going to pause the podcast. And, and, and we're back. <laughs> Blake Corum's my dude, though. So uh, that'll be an interesting discussion as well. If we're allowed to take two running backs, that'll make it a little bit easier. Um, and then, yeah, uh, we also did the uh, specialist. So we'll do the specialist in this draft as well. Uh, you took Jake Moody, and I took uh, – what's Because yeah, I would Kenny not Allen let you take Quinn Nordine. Uh, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't be taking Quinn Nordine. I can just go ahead and spoil it for you know Quinn Nordine not making the <laughs> Harbaugh team. Friends don't let friends draft Quinn Nordine. <laughs> like a, a rule of law. Um, yeah, absolutely, man. So uh, let's get into it, man. Let's build this all all Harbaugh team using these teams that we drafted up. Let's start. Uh, where do you want to start? Let's save that offensive line discussion. Okay, let, let me just throw some names out to you where I think are absolute locks. All right, all right let's lock tight in Jake Butt. That is the lock of locks on this team. We just talked about it. Yeah, there is a massive crater of a drop off. If you have to run two tight ends, it's Zach Gentry. But it's, yeah, we're, 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 not, we're running one. We're running. What are we running? We're running thirteen. Yeah, we're, we're running, running one tight end. end. We're okay. We're running sure. eleven personnel. One running back. One tight end. Um, receivers. Absolutely. Nico Collins. Yeah, that's a lock. Put it in there. I mean, we. This is such a pro Nico Collins pod, and that is my absolute dude. Uh, just recently came out that Brandon Cook said this doesn't look like any rookie to me down there in Houston. Dude's going to turn some heads. It would have been really in. interesting to see if he could have done anything with the 2020 squad. It's an interesting sentence to say because that season was abysmal and in most cases didn't happen. But Nico really came on in 18 <laughs> and 19, led the team in receiving yards, and was second in touchdowns in 18 and in 19, flipped those, led in receiving, uh, led in touchdowns, but was second receiving yards just behind Ronnie Bell. Just cons- Consistent. I bl- yeah, consistent, can be explosive, absolute game breaker. On the post route after a big play, he's a momentum shifter guy. You know, he was a guy that they would target after, you know, like a turnover or something like that for a big chunk play down the field. True number one wide receiver, legit 4-4 speed, legit 6-3 size. Yeah, you take this dude and you lock him in, absolutely. And uh, to your point, I do think he would have made a difference, especially with Joe Milton, who was really struggling with some overthrows and too much power. Having a that big of a target would have probably been a few more completions, a little bit more confidence for Milton. I can say that fairly confidently. Whether or not it would have given us another win or not, that's that's to be debated. Probably win Michigan State with him. Oh, God. No, the season did Yeah, let's not. Let's the not. season didn't happen. Tonight. Let's just not. So now – it didn't happen. So now the other starting about. receiver gets very interesting. I originally had it as a lock, but receiving yards numbers, if you want to 
throw those out there. The other guy trumps them. So it's a two-year stretch here for receivers. And it's Darbo or it's Chesson. And it can arguably be both, to be honest. But it's um, Darbo has the higher receiving yard total over the two years. Chesson has the biggest seeing. No, Darbo's got the biggest single season, but Chesson had nine touchdowns in 15, and plus the special teams impact he had as well. He had 11 total touchdowns, so averaged a touchdown, almost a touchdown a game. And Darbo's highest was seven, Was more felt more of a possession guy, but it just kind of flipped because 15, Rudock's guy was Chesson, but he also relied on Darbo. And then the next year, Spate relied a ton on Darbo, and then it was Butt, and then it was Chesson. So do you have a read on this one way or another? It's difficult, man, for all the reasons that you just said. I do like your instinct going with Chesson first for all the reasons that you said. Um, and I'll go with you know the lamest reason you can give when you're analyzing something like this in the eye test. Um, not that Darbo didn't pass it. I mean, nothing but consistency out of Amaro Darbo and the one just absolute circus catch against BYU, which I was in attendance for and I was joyous. But Chesson did it, you know, I won't say consistently, but when he had a big game, he'd absolutely go off. The nine touchdowns is an explosive year. We haven't had anything like that since. I think Nico Collins came the closest. So that to me really stands out. Um, you know, a lot of those came in the one game, um, you know, where he was targeted. God, I don't know how many times he was like 20 times in that game. But also the special teams impact, like you said. I mean, ran a couple back, started out the Northwestern game with that run back, which was an absolutely great moment, set the tone. So I, I would edge edge Chesson over Darbo, but it is close. I agree with you. And despite the numbers, maybe okay, yeah, I, I'm with you. I you know I, I took him in our draft. Just from what we saw, like Darbo's got the slight edge there, but I felt like Chesson, especially in 15, just made play after play, especially in the Indiana game. I mean, that was just. An incredible yeah. single performance. I think that really elevates him over me. I, I think of the Darbo catch there. I think of the Darbo catch against Wisconsin to get the win. But I think if there's two years of dad, Rudock Cheslin's going over 1,000 yards that second season. Oh, definitely. I, I would agree with that. So maybe less of a lock and more of a discussion since we just had a discussion yeah. about it. But I'll slowly yeah, just reading it off. Say, ah, is he a lock? And all right, other yeah. lock. Running back, Karan Higdon, only running back to go over 1,000 yards. You took Haskins in our draft, and I think there has to be a caveat that Haskins could overtake this. But as of right now, with proven and what you've done, it has to be Karan Higdon. Right. I took Haskins over that because we were doing more of a theoretical, we're going to line it up and who's going to have the better team thing. And and I'm really high on Haskins for this season. And Haskins had that one game against Notre Dame, which is maybe the best game we've seen from a running back in you know, a couple decades. But Higdon did it night in, night out for a good team behind a good offensive line, a one-cut guy, north-south, smart. They trusted him to block. And like you said, the 1,000-yard season is what locks him in here. Haskins just doesn't have that yet. If he gets it, I, Haskins overtakes Higdon with a thousand yards. I hundred percent. I would agree with that a hundred percent because the nineteen season, they said the Notre Dame game where he came on the second half. Twenty twenty is a wash. Doesn't matter. He was the one standout at times, but yeah. So that's a lock, and one more which may not be a lock to everybody, but I think is a lock to us. And that's Jake Rudock at quarterback. Yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and lock this in here. Uh, Shea Patterson had more um, passing yards in 2019. Yeah, by correct? like 50. 
by 50. Yeah. So it's extremely close. But like we were saying earlier, you got to take into account that slow start just got to a new team starts off with a really good Utah team that Utah team ended up like going, they ran out, rattled off like eight or nine wins to start that season. They were, yeah, made our, made our one loss, not look so bad in 2015. And then he just got progressively better. And then towards the end of the season, obviously Ohio state being the outlier there, uh, Rudock looked like the best quarterback that we've had. If you were going to make an argument for somebody else, it would be that Rudock did not have the best performance a Michigan quarterback has had against Ohio State in the game. Like, that's where you might be like, well, Wil- Wilton Spate gave him a better go. Even freaking Sean O'Corn gave him a better go than Rudock. So if you were a detractor, that would probably be where you would start. Very her. much so. And if Wilton Spate had not gotten hurt against Iowa, Wilton Spate might be the starting quarterback of the all-hardball team. I, he would be because State. he would have beaten Ohio State for <laughs> yes. sure. And yeah, that's all it would take. Yeah, so Wilton Spade is six inches away from <laughs> taking this position here. So I really feel for him there. But Rudock was just a better better quarterback all over. That was a better yeah, team. Yeah, and Rudock did this with far less talent compared to what Shea Patterson had around him. Like, right. they're, all their numbers are very right. similar, but it's like different offense, way, way less talented, still using Hoke recruited players, like not even building your own quote unquote team yet. So yeah, a lot of things to factor in here. And we've, we've been dad Rudolph stands as well. And plus the lasting memory of him is balling out against Florida. Come on. Absolutely. How many yards does dad Rudolph throw for behind Anwenu, Runyon, Bredesen throwing to DPJ and Nico Collins? As many as he damn season. well wants. As many 4, as he damn well wants. Yeah, as many as he wants. <laughs> You're damn right it is. That's the answer. Right. Correct. We will I have, accept that I have answer. one more lock. Cesar Ruiz at center. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mason Cole, but there's other places you could play Cole, and Cesar Ruiz is a true center. And, yeah, some of the video of him pulling, like you don't see guys that look like that and are that size move like that. I'll, I'll, yeah, I don't I'm really cool root from them pulling in that way, but, man, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's not something that I find myself cheering for audibly <laughs> often, but in this case, okay. So, oh man, so all right, let's, let's get start third wide receiver. Uh, it's Amara Darbo. We argued for number two first, Donovan Peoples Jones. Man, so if you were going the guy that you want to play next week, you're taking Donovan Peoples Jones, the far more electric. Look like he's going to be a better pro, but the numbers support Amara Darbo. Um, Ronnie Bell, let's add just his name in there as a guy that a thousand yard season probably puts him correct. Right up He's there the player that year. could break in. Yeah, he could definitely break in here. Man, this is tough. Um, I almost want to say DPJ though. Like I, I know I was kind of pushing towards Darbo. The the moments that DPJ had, like DPJ, you kind of maybe have to take that into account here. You know, the DPJ down the sidelines against Michigan State. One of the best moments that you get the unnecessary spin move against Nebraska, which we were at as well on the putt return. Beautiful. <laughs> unnecessary. Just no reason for did it, but nothing. he did it and it looked great. You get that moment. You get some just hit eight touchdowns in the 18 season, just kind of under the radar, eight touchdown season from DPJ as well. 14 total in his last two seasons at Michigan. Yeah, it's it's tough because Darbo has the he at least he has him in receptions and yards, but DPJ has these moments and especially like his versatility across the field, what he could do really kind of swings me in his favor. I agree, and you know what we are definitely big fans of on this podcast that is Very gamers. Cool. 
He's a gamer. And yeah, I, I think that's enough for me. Let's go DPJ over Darbo and just go to bed knowing that, we made the right feels, decision. It was, I think it was 17. He had the openings of a punt return against Ohio State with like a spin move on the sideline. And you and I were just like, oh, God, here. This, this cool. is it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it. Yeah, because, I mean, we've been calling it for years that someone's going to house one against Ohio State to win it. Just seems like fate every year, but we're sadly and cruelly denied. <laughs> All right, so skill positions on the team are Nico Collins, Jake Butt, Dad Rudock, Karan Higdon, DPJ, and J.U. Chesson. Honorable mention to Mara Darbo, first guy off the bench. Absolutely. If you're taking a fullback, you're taking Ben, ben Mason, Mason or Khalid Hill. Yeah, I'd take Ben Mason too. Khalid Hill has the numbers, but Ben Mason. Ben Mason with player. not changing his position three different times. Ben Mason just straight giving the right. ball blocker. Yeah, just, just the fullback. fullback. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So, all right, that's going to bring us to offensive line. And this is where it's this is going to be a this, treat. <laughs> it gets tough. You and I were talking offline about how tough this is actually going to be. So let's start at tackles. So we have two tackle positions, and I think Mason Cole has to be one of them. He's on that line somewhere, absolutely. And would that be the best position for him? if In college, yeah, he could absolutely play tackle. Um, so I would say probably put him at right. Though, I think so think? as well. So that opens up the left tackle. We can, I'm, I'm not going to put Ryan Hayes out there yet. Has the talent, but just not the reps. No, no. Mayfield would be, would make Mayfield or John Runyon at this point. Mayfield has the higher ceiling, but this is a John Runyon podcast and John Runyon got better. Ever. We've talked about him so much. And I feel like I say the same thing. Cause we were just such fans of what he, what he did. So I'm just going to say John Runyon. I, I, with, I'm not going to give all the fanfare and explanation. I like Runyon, that. Oh I like that a lot. And Mayfield was good. This is tough. But Mayfield just – or not – I'm sorry. Just where Runyon came from after the Notre Dame game to just – I believe he was first team Big Ten that season and 18 ended it. Uh, not. I don't think his first you, season. You, you first pull up Mayfield team. real quick. I'm going to pull up John Runyon see what we can dig up here. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to find stats I, for – offensive line guys so yeah you can really only go yeah, with their think, honors. yeah exactly i think it would be on uh imgo blue yeah that's what i'm looking for there it is there we go he was a sophomore so his first season freshman so he started as a freshman three games at left tackle first game against western michigan um, and then sophomore season was the season that he really, we really started to see him. That was the year with the Notre Dame game. Um, did not finish all Big Ten. John Runyon, that 18, that year, first team coaches, second team media. Okay, yeah. Well, there you go. Mayfield, yeah. Mayfield had a lot of starts as a sophomore, junior, um, all Big Ten honorable mention in at Michigan in 2019. That's it. It is two uh, – that's yeah, Runyon, all Big Ten selection, first team 2018 by AP. Not... Uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's Runyon. Walk, honestly, kind of walking away with the accolades. Walking away. Mayfield's just the more higher potential guy because he shut down Chase Young oh, he once. He did stonewall Chase Young. So John Runyon left. Our, our boy gets this, and I feel good about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess if we would have looked at the uh, accolades first, that one really wouldn't have been too much of a debate. Any debate for anybody else? <laughs> Any Eric Magnuson really stands out there? 
<laughs> Let's move on, shall we? Eric All, if he would have stayed healthy, is a big what if, but that would yeah. Really Eric All could sense. have a thousand yards this season. He's still not taking Jake Butt from me. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I meant uh, not Eric All. Um, I know who yeah, you're talking. You know about. It's okay. Uh, all right, okay. so guards. So this gets a little interesting. Is it Glasgow? Is it? Onwenu? Is it Bredesen? I think those are the three names it's going to revolve around, and someone's going to be left out. Someone's getting left out here. So, all right, let me bring up Graham Glasgow. I guess, yeah, we just got to go with yeah, all go big Go off tens. the accolades. I'll pull up Onwenu, and I'll pull up Ben Bredesen. Ben Bredesen's going to be tough. I think he has, a, like, so many starts. Yeah, it's going to be tough to leave Bredesen off. Um It's, it's really tough for me to leave Onwenu off because he was one of my favorites, and then he gets to the NFL and really – kind of proved us right for being big Onwenu stands. So, all right, Mike Onwenu, third team, all Big Ten, honorable mention one year, appeared in 46 games. That's very high. That's a lot. That is very, yes. Um, all right, Graham Glasgow, 37 starts, only all Big Ten honorable mention once. <laughs> okay, Ben Bredesen, uh, All-American, 2019 second team. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Okay. We have an all, all right, Ben Bredesen. Ben, should have been, ben, yeah, ben Bredesen's in there. Ben Bredesen. Apologies is in to there. Ben Bredesen's family. He should have been a lock. Yeah, I, I really don't know why he wasn't a lock. Yeah, we've got an all American there. We're like, <laughs> well, is he? For like Mike Onwenu, though, you know, he was he was honorable mention once. Yeah, Ben Ben Bredesen appeared in fifty games with forty six starts at left guard. <laughs> okay, so now it comes down. Yeah, that's ridiculous. He just—he was an Iron Man. He was Good always God. Out that is—I had no idea he was that dumb. Man, things you take for granted sometimes when you're just mad about Shea Patterson. Yeah, Ben Bredesen is <sighs> that dude. Man, love to have another one of those guys on the team. So now it comes down to Graham Glasgow. Yeah, Ottawa new four-time letter winner appeared in—I like said forty-six games. And it looks like with thirty-five starts. This is really this is almost going to come down to yeah. preference then. What's what 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 are Glasgow's again? I mean Glasgow had 37 starts. He was all Big 10 honorable mention in 2015. And then yeah, he was drafted in 2015. So I mean, he did just get the bank from Denver, but we're really not taking NFL True. accolades into this cuz some of these guys haven't had time to do that yet. But if we are Anwenu looked like the steal yeah, of the draft. he was, draft. I believe, the second highest or highest rated player via PFF last season for NFL rookies. Yeah, he was at one point one of the highest rated rookies they've yeah, ever so had. It's, man, it is really tough. I and mean, like I said, this is it's this tough is spreading. Who would you prefer if you were building your team? What are Graham Glasgow's measurables at Michigan? Graham Glasgow measured in at. Excuse me, six six three oh. On when he's six three three fifty. You get an extra fifty. That is why it is for me. I may be a sucker of oh uh, Luigi Villane syndrome here where I got caught up in a lot of Mike Onwenu hype after the offseason, I believe after 17 or 18, one of those. Talk about how smart he was and how quick he was. And it didn't always translate. But man, when Mike Onwenu was on, he was on. But with Glasgow, I feel like you get the consistency. Like, I feel like you get that balance. But it's like, okay, it feels kind of like Amara Darbo compared to DPJ again. 
Exactly. Very much so. Do you want the guy that showed up night in and night out, or do you want the guy that, if he wanted to, could absolutely demolish a man and put him out of the South? Onwenu for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give me the dude that absolutely wants to eviscerate his guy, and we get an extra forty-seven yeah, pounds of human. That's a big difference. Like it's uh, we're really splitting hairs with that. Like it's very finite between just like Chesson and Darbo. So no. I love this team we put together, and I'm sorry again for the Ben Bredesen disrespect. My God. That was <laughs> slander by on both of our parts at this point. Yeah, because we were like, let's see. Pretty sure he's going to have a few all Big Tens and then get all American, and they're like, all right. <laughs> like, one of the best in the <laughs> get country. Get kind of whiffed on this one, guys. Sorry to the listener. So, all right, our team. I've read the specialists already. <laughs> Offensive line, left to right. John Runyon Jr., Ben Bredesen, Cesar Ruiz, Mike Onwenu, Mason Cole. I think that's correct. I mean, you could maybe move that around a little bit. Maybe you say uh, uh, Cesar Ruiz is a guard, so you can put Cole at center. I, I wouldn't really mess Yeah, it's with like you could put Cole at much. center, put Ruiz at right guard, kick Mayfield at right tackle. You could kind of do something like that. Yeah, you might be able to do – yeah, you could do something like that. But personally, I like what we built right here. That would be my all-hardball team. Graham Glasgow being kind of one of those guys that's yeah, really so close here. Like some of the guys we out. have on the fringe would be uh, Amara Darbo, Ben Mason, Graham Glasgow, and Jalen Mayfield. Is there anyone on this offensive line that could take – that big of a leap to, to pass one of these guys this year. That would be a, a tough very ask. tough ask. I mean, Ryan Hayes would have to have an All-American season. Yeah, basically an All-American. Another All-American would be what we need, and it would have to be at Yeah, Andrew probably. Stuber's getting up there and starts, so he could have a conversation with m maybe Anwenu if he really comes in, but I don't think he's going to be playing guard. No, no, I don't think so either. I mean, we'll see how it all shakes out, but early returns don't look like it. And he's a, this is going to be a big offensive line this year. That is one yeah. thing about this current iteration of the offensive line. It has so any, much any Andrew Vastardis stock takeover center. Uh -huh, uh -huh. That's going to be a no for me. <laughs> not, not that against Mr. Vastardis. Yeah, but also, on, uh, another one that could break in would be, uh, we talked about a little bit, is Ronnie Bell, like quietly putting together just a very productive four year career at Michigan. He might not even need a grand this year to get up into it. If he puts up another seven, eight hundred yards, and a, yeah. the touchdowns need to really, really rip. That's where he has some issues. It's just not the touchdown numbers, but you know, and also some recency bias because if he doesn't get those touchdown numbers up in five years, elapse, you might be like, oh, Ronnie Bell, like guy only put up six hundred yards receiving and you know one touchdown a year. But the eye test when you're watching it shows he's clearly. If the end zone were five yards closer, Ronnie Bell would probably have twelve like in 2019. He'd probably have twelve. Yeah, he'd have a ton of them. That dude, that dude gets tackled at the two more than anyone yeah, have ever Ronnie seen. Ronnie Bell is a life. guy to watch. Haskins a guy to watch this season as well. Um, hey, maybe dude, Cade McNamara put Cade McNamara put together three thousand yard season. You're in the conversation, my friend. Yeah, I mean, quarterback and tight end are so weak that anybody could really take a step up with yeah. a monster yeah, it's, season. Uh, there's definitely some guys to watch to break it on the all-hardball all team. But looking at this roster, I mean, we put together, I mean, you got to feel good about it. I, I would say the strength of it is the offensive line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wait till we do defense next week, but the strength of that it is for sure the offensive line. I mean, like, that's a starting NFL offensive line. I mean, yeah, the defensive end discussions next week are going to be brutal. Like, who who we have to leave off? Oh, no, yeah, someone's got to sit. Yeah, someone's got to sit, and that's going to absolutely hurt. But there'll be some other positions where it's 
like linebacker where it's going to be it's going to fill gonna itself there, out pretty quickly. Uh, again, you and I are we have a lot of stats for the defense next week to read that are going to shock people like they shocked us. So there's going to be some weird conversations yeah. that I don't think fans are even considering. They're probably forgotten about the productivity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we go, do we want to name specialists for the All Harbaugh era? <laughs> Kenny Allen kicker. Uh, uh, Will Hart at punter for that one season he was a baller. Yep, definitely not the guy that shanked the uh, the not punt Blake O'Neill. God be with you and your family. Um, and then I guess yeah. kicker, Kitty. Yeah, I guess Kenny Allen. Jake Moody had one year, then fell off a cliff. Yeah. Returner, you want? Uh, Peppers yeah, as punt yeah, returner. Peppers kick returner Giles. That's interesting. At kick returner, do you want Giles Jackson? Do you want Chesson? I mean, probably just take Chesson because he's still out. You know, he finished his four years at Michigan and Giles is a traitor. So. <laughs> hey, or Ambry. Ambry would be fun too, but I don't think he could surpass Chesson. I'm in agreement. I'll never forget that the one thing we loved about the Notre Dame game was Ambry Thomas giving us light in 18 to win. It's like, Oh, thank you God for somebody showing up the, uh, oh, what do we have to do to get a consistent kicker? Like what happened to Will Moody? Did he just get really like, he was our freshman of the year between us. Yeah. Oh, Jake Moody. Yeah. He, uh, he hit those 12 in a row, but they were a shaky 12, not a lot of confidence in those 12. <laughs> and then it, it's like, he's getting them in there, but Oh, and then our not other pretty. hardball kicker is, Kenny Allen, who I personally watched miss three against Wisconsin at home. Kenny Allen could be in my room and I wouldn't know who he was. Like, <laughs> be like, oh, here's a guy. Like, you're could still be anyone. here? Ian Bunting? <laughs> Ian Bunting? Yeah. So yeah, yeah go? it's not going on here. But yeah, punt return has got to be Peppers. The just consistency and sure-handedness you always felt back there was something we ended up taking for granted when true freshman DPJ bobbled like three or four the next year. Yeah, he ended up being pretty solid, but there were some rough yeah, moments it was, to get it there. It was tough, but he's still our guy. Still the dude. All right, man, this was a lot of fun. Uh, really looking forward to next week when we try and figure this out on the defense and it gets even more difficult. But yeah, the all, all hardball era, the all offensive line team. I'm, I'm for it, I it's guess. Gonna, it's going to be fun, too. It's like, who's going to win the game? All all offense or all defense? I think they're, it's just going to be one of a movable object. Uh-huh. That's, uh, <laughs> unstoppable. Whatever team has Quinn Nordine yeah. loses. <laughs> Correct. Just don't take him. You should be fine. <laughs> All right, man, that's going to do it for us tonight on Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Apple Music, Spotify, wherever. Follow us on Twitter at Maze and Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. And we'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.